1: Welcome back to the Agent of Wealth. This is your host, Mark Boudis. On today's show, I brought on Kayla Waller. Kayla is a financial planner at Boudis Financial. Kayla, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. So we're going to talk about indicators today, and you know everyone wants a crystal ball into what's going to happen in the economy. They want to see the future, and then if you can see what's going to happen in the future, maybe you can predict the markets. Now, when this topic comes up, I always think about the movie Back to the Future, where Michael J. Fox or Marty McFly, he's got an almanac, and he's debating on whether he should use it because he can see who wins sporting events in the future. So I think everyone would want that almanac that's going to tell us what's going to happen in the future. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about indicators, specifically leading indicators. We'll discuss what they are, and then more importantly, if they can be used to predict what will happen next. So maybe you can start off, give us some background on what an indicator is and what are the different types of them.
2: Yeah, an indicator is just a measurement used to draw some kind of conclusion about how the overall economy is doing. There's three different types, leading indicators, They change prior to like a big economic event and can be used to predict future trends. And then there's lagging indicators, which reflect things that have already happened. And then the last one is coincident indicators, which occur in real time and show how the economy is doing right now.
1: Okay. So we'll we'll skip over the lagging and that coincidence because no one really wants to know what happened in the past because you can probably know what happened in the past. So let's talk about some of the popular leading indicators. And I think the one that really gets a lot of press is when you talk about jobs. And the numbers that come out in jobs are really focused around two things. So that's new jobs that are added in the economy and then i think the other thing that that's popular too is initial jobless claims or people filing for unemployment insurance so this number comes out monthly new jobs and today the september report so really what does the jobs report tell us
2: it gives a picture into how many people are entering the workforce and the number that came out today it's it's showing that the the 21st month of consecutive growth but it's it's slowed down a little bit from the peak of where it was
1: yeah, so I think if you look at today's report, which was from looks back and says well, what happened in September, there were I think or a little bit over two hundred fifty thousand new jobs added. Now normally you would think that adding a lot of jobs to the economy is a good thing because people are working and that it would predict a strong economy. However, the stock market didn't like the news, and and basically what happens with any of these indicators is the reading on the indicator comes out and then the market will digest it and then react to it. So what happened today when theoretically the strong number came out, the market didn't like it, and the reason is because there's other things going on than just jobs and whether that's you know a predictor of the economy. The strong jobs report signified that, you know, we're in this inflationary period and probably the it gives the Fed more ammunition to continue raising rates. And the market is looking at that's really what the primary focus right now has been this inflation and raising rates in the Fed and what the market thinks is that rates are going to keep going up and this easy money environment that we've been in over the past you know decade the raising rates is going to precede or it's going to preempt the strong strong job report so i found that one interesting in that you think okay on one side the indicator was good it was strong on the other side the market reacted negatively to that I think another one that gets a lot of publicity is the yield curve. Can you explain what the yield curve is and what's the yield curve showing now?
2: A yield curve, it shows the different maturity points in yield for a specific security. So it's usually talked about with treasury spreads. And a spread is just the difference between the two fixed income instruments of different maturities. So a common one that people look at is the 10-year, two-year spread or the 10-year 3-month spread. And if you look at those over the past year, you can see that in March, the 10-year 2-year spread inverted and it's been like that for most of the year. And people generally consider this is like kind of a warning sign because you're getting more yield on the earlier maturity than you are on the later one, which, which signifies that you you feel weaker about like your future outlook. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Normally when someone invests in like a fixed income bond, or in this case treasury, you would usually get a higher interest rate the longer the maturity of that bond is, than now the shorter. And you can look at that not just across treasuries or bonds, but think of it like even like a mortgage. The shorter the duration of your mortgage is, the lower your interest rate typically is. Now what happens when the yield curve inverts is that you actually would receive a higher interest rate return. From a shorter maturity, and we're seeing that a lot. Where you know the appetite for these one-year treasuries is pretty appealing, even though you take into account you're only locking up or you know having that money tied up for a year versus if you did a ten-year or a thirty-year, you would think that having that money tied for the ten years, thirty years, you'd you'd receive a higher interest rate. But it's flipped, and now the short term. And like you said, when that happens, it's usually because people are bearish or they're not positive, you know, thinking positively about about the future. Has this been a good predictor of a recession or a pullback?
2: The answer is kind of yes and no. If you look at the past 14 recessions since since the 1970s, it's been accurate eight times. So kind of.
1: So, I mean, that's that's one of these things with indicators, right? You know, it's, if something's accurate, 50%, 60%, is it really something that you can, you know, put your hat on and say, yes, this is, if this happens, you know, I'm definitely going to take this approach. And the answer is probably no. You know, I think another thing we'll talk a little bit about is that there's so many leading indicators out there that there's bound to be some of them that hit because just of the the sheer volume of them. Another indicator I find interesting is the stock market itself. So, people are trying to use these indicators to predict the stock market. But is the stock market itself a leading indicator?
2: Yeah, that's probably the one that people look at first. Stocks prices are based in part on what companies are expected to earn. So yes, in that sense, it is a leading indicator. A down market could indicate that like companies' earnings are expected to decrease and that you could imply that there's going to be a recession.
1: Yeah, and I think that's an important point that you're making. When you said companies' earnings are expected to either increase or or decrease, a lot of time people will look at companies' earnings that came out and say, oh, they had good earnings, let's buy this stock. Or even if we take it on the larger scale, someone will say, okay, I'm hearing that there's going to be a recession. You know, Should we invest differently or should we change the investments? And even if we look at this year as an example, the stock market is pricing in some sort of recession or downturn in the market already for the future. So what that means is, even if there is a recession say next year, that doesn't mean the stock market is going down or up. What's really going to happen is the stock market's next step will be based on if there is a recession, how severe is that recession? and Is it like a really bad recession or is it a moderate recession? Really the next move is going to be what the market predicts is going to happen next. It's not what's happening at this exact time because the market's already priced that information in. It's really about looking at what potentially would happen in the future versus what the market has priced in for the future. And I think that's like one of the you know things that's really hard to understand about how the stock market itself is a leading indicator. One area of the market that I wanted to talk about was real estate and what happens in the data that comes out in the real estate sector and what the, what can that predict? Because the real estate market is huge. If you look at the size of the real estate market in the US, I think it's almost or over $4 trillion. Are there any leading indicators in the real estate sector?
2: Yeah. Building permits is a big one because it tells you, you get insight yeah. into into what future real estate supply levels could be. And a high volume obviously means that it would be more active. And uh, if you look, it's come down a little bit since the Fed started raising rates this year, but there still are new building permits.
1: Yeah, obviously new building permit shows when when there's new construction or something goes up, it's gonna trickle down and there's gonna be all types of industries or, or sectors that are involved in that. So it's a wide, widespread one. Like you mentioned, the, and this is another one that's tied to interest rates and and inflation and you know rising interest rates one of the areas that hits hard is is the real estate sector because a lot of what's done in the real estate sector is using leverage or using loans and that's impacted by what happens with with interest rates and, you know a lot of these that we've been talking about have been like straight okay the number is this and it's there's a reaction to it but i think one that's Popular, too, that you hear a lot about periodically is consumer confidence. What does that measure?
2: Yeah, it basically measures how people feel in their attitudes about the economy and where it's going. And if you look in September, it increased for the second consecutive month. The baseline is 100, and then anything above 100 is considered good expansionary and below is considered bearish, but it did increase for the second month, meaning that people are feeling still relatively good about the economy
1: yeah and and then I guess there's well two points to, to make about consumer confidence. So one, like you mentioned, the indicator is actually positive. the other thing too that, You know, gets forgotten a little bit about a lot of the economy is driven on, driven on consumption. So that's people going out and spending money. And I think if you look, people are still spending money. So that's definitely a bullish sign that people still have money. People are still spending money. Um, I think the funny thing about that reading on consumer confidence and the fact that it is high now, some people will say, Oh, it's actually not bullish. It's bearish because if the, the herd is thinking that things are good, you want to go against the herd and, and, you know, kind of the, the contrarian type of, of view for, uh, for it. So it's just another example of you can't really you know put all your eggs in, into one of these indicators. Sometimes what it says, the opposite can be true, like, like what we saw with the jobs report. One popular person in the financial industry is Warren Buffett. Now, he's lucky enough to have his own indicator named after him. What is his indicator? Can you calculate it? And then what is it showing now?
2: Yeah, it measures the ratio of all US stocks in their combined market cap to the US GDP. And it's that's the Buffett indicator. He once called it the best single measure of where valuations stand at any given moment. And a ratio of one to one or just 100% means that the market's fairly valued. When the US market cap surpasses GDP, the indicator means that things are overvalued. And the Buffett indicator has proved to be a good warning for seven out of the past 14 market declines since 1971.
1: So about half of them. Again, we're at half the time I can predict it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to look at. I think what people a lot of times will look at for our stocks overvalued, they'll look at a measure called price to earnings or PE ratio. But here we're kind of taking it at a bigger scale and, and kind of looking at the the price or the market cap. But The market cap is simply just the number of shares that are outstanding times the stock price, you tally that up for all the public companies, and then you compare it to the gross domestic product, which is the value of all goods and services that are created in the U.S. And like you said, when that ratio is over one, uh, this indicator starts to signify that things are overpriced. I think the one thing that it doesn't take into account is that if you go back into uh, like the 1940s or 1950s, stock prices have risen faster than GDP has. So, I don't know if consistently holding it and saying, oh, if you look at the, if the, the threshold is one is really relevant because the top part of it, that market U.S. market cap has risen faster than than stock prices have done. But if you look at just where it is now, I think it is over two, the Warren Buffett indicator. So it is signifying that things are high historically. But again, it's predicted seven on the last 14. So seven times it was right. Seven times it was, wasn't.
2: Yeah. Another thing with it, it's been above 120% since 2016. Yeah. So if you followed that, you would have believed things have been overvalued for the past six years.
1: Yeah. And then you would have missed out on a lot of the market returns over the past six years. That's the other thing too. There's an economist, Harry Dent, and he's predicted market crashes. Uh, He pretty much always predicts a market crash. But the way it works is, yeah, at some point the markets are cyclical. There's going to be a market crash. This year the markets are down. And, you know, like over the past six years or 10 years, the markets have gone up a lot. However, when, you know, the market does go down, their prediction hits and then they start beating their chest, hoping that everyone forgets that they were wrong over the past 10 years. I'll see news articles too where it'll say, oh, the person that predicted the 2008, 2009 crash now predicts another crash and yeah it's great that he predicted 2008 2009 doesn't mean that he's right this time you know one of the disclaimers that we always see in this is past performance is not indicative of future performance so you really have to take some of leading indicators, but also what's happened in the past with a with a grain of salt. The last one I wanted to talk about was in manufacturing. I find one interesting in manufacturing, mainly because of the name of the index. It's called the Baltic Dry Goods Shipping Index. I find it funny because Baltic always reminds me of Monopoly, but um, this measures goods that are being transported to different areas, and and that's. Because if you can theoretically this, okay, that uh, is going to go somewhere and it's going to be used in manufacturing to build some kind of product that's going to add to the economy. What is going on in manufacturing now and, and what's, what are those indicators saying?
2: I think a big theme this year has been the supply chain issues and manufacturing issues and stuff. It eventually will influence GDP and it, it's been contracting a little bit this year.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it doesn't always, you know, like these indicators are at a high level um, in terms of what they're measuring. It's usually at a broad scale. But sometimes we've seen where a specific company comes out with information and the market reacts to that. One example of that is FedEx. So FedEx released their earnings and, and they had soft projections a couple of weeks ago, and the market overall took a hit because a company like FedEx or a company like Amazon, they're really an indicator of the entire market. Because if people are shipping less things via FedEx or if people are buying less things on Amazon, that probably means that things are going to slow down in the future. So indicators don't always have to be these kind of broad measurements you know, it can even be a, a company as simple as FedEx, and that can kind of foreshadow or people can look at that as a foreshadowing of what's going to happen. All right. So we, we talked a lot about all these different types of indicators. What's the like synopsis of this? You know, are people using them? Are they accurate? I know you mentioned two of them and two of them were basically 50 to 60% accurate. Are there any that are like, all right, these are 100% accurate? Or, or are there any that are looked at as these are more predictive of what's going to happen than other ones?
2: No, that would be nice if there was. <laughs> um, I think the most important takeaway is that they need to be looked at in conjunction with the other indicators because if all they're all kind of signaling a warning sign. That's like what they're intended to do. But if if all most of them are kicking off some kind of warning, I think that then you should make an opinion about that. But just relying on one, like if you for the Buffett index, if you if you just relied on that and you took your money out in 2016 if you were just invested in the S&P, you would have missed a 10% annualized return over all those years. So I don't think you should just rely on one.
1: Okay. So they're no no crystal (laughs) ball.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think like what you mentioned, yeah, maybe
1: if they're all like flashing in one direction, one way or the other, one of the biggest things is the fact that the stock market itself is a leading indicator. If the stock market was lagging, then I think it's a lot different because then you can look at some of these leading indicators and then use that knowledge to dictate how how um, to invest in the stock market but really your investments in the stock market is, it's really you want to be I guess kind of like chess two steps ahead of what what the indicators and what the projections the projections are but like you said there's no crystal ball out there. All right so we're just about out of time. Kayla thank you for joining us today providing some great insight on indicators. Thank you everyone who tuned in into today's episode.
0: Thank you for listening to the agent of wealth podcast click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available the information covered represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of his financial the content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial planning and investment advice always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investments and financial planning.